Hi, and welcome back to Sharp Scratch. You're listening to episode 78, What Med at School Didn't Teach Us About Money. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where medical students, junior doctors, and expert guests come together and discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor, but that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Pat, I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ, and I'm also a medical student at Anglia Ruskin University. And for this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by our friends Lily and Anisha. Lily, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, nice to see you guys again and meet you guys. Um, I'm Lily, I have just finished uh, medical school in East London. I think, I think today is the meeting of the exam board where they decide like whether you've like done all the, oh gosh, they've done all the, like, the extra projects and stuff. Um, so in theory, tomorrow, I don't know, maybe. Anyway, so yeah, so now I'm basically done. I'm now in Bristol. Oh wow, congrats. And yeah, nice to have you back on the episode. Uh, Anisha, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Anisha. I'm a Foundation Year One in South Thames Deanery. And hopefully an FT soon. We're actually having our ARCP meetings today. So I'll hopefully about an hour be getting an email saying I'll be going on to FT. So fingers crossed. Very exciting. All the deadlines are like around this time of the year. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, and I'm really excited to be joined by the doctors behind Medics Money, Dr. Tommy Perkins and Dr. Ed Cantello. Um, yeah, Tom and Ed, would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So my name is uh, Dr. Ed Cantello. I'm a, a salary GP down in Bognor Regis, uh, qualified for August 2020. And um, I... I'm also a chartered tax advisor and a chartered accountant from a, a previous career. Useful special skill. Yeah, and hi, I'm Dr. Tommy Perkins. I'm a GP partner, uh, also in a similar part of the world to Ed. And uh, together we built Medics Money, which empowers doctors to make better financial decisions. And we're really so happy that you uh, invited us on today because I think this is a really important issue that uh, we need to do more about. For many medical students, the position of junior doctor will be the first full-time job that people have. Along with many other changes, one of the biggest differences is that you get paid to do your job. Now, when it comes to money, one of the few things I learned about money from med school is that the degree is so expensive. And I think Ed and Tom will tell us about other costs that newly qualified doctors will have to consider about after med school. Some money-saving tips for junior docs and also things to look out for when you're interpreting a payslip. Um, now, Anisha and Lily, um, you've both finished medical school um at med school did you learn anything about finance or i don't know budgeting or any costs that you need to think about at med school or even at your end after med school i'll go first because my answer's short no (laughs) (laughs) nothing (laughs) yeah not that i remember um we had like in our first year we have the whole like mdu and mps thing so you're always aware that at some point you're going to have to pay for indemnity and then I guess the BMA are always floating around. So, you know, you're going to have to pay for or if you want to pay for BMA membership. Um, and then obviously, you know that you have loans. So we talk about that kind of peer to peer. But n- I wouldn't say I ever had a lecture about it. Although until maybe yesterday, I'm in my like final lecture week thing. And we had a lecture from a income protection organization. And they were like, you have to join us while you're young. And then me and my friends had a bit of a complicated argument about that where I was like oh I don't feel like a con and they were like no it's not a con anyway so you guys can tell me whether it's a con or not but other than that no nothing yeah actually I think yeah sorry thinking back it was in our last rotation of med school when we had the transition to f1 again it was peer-led where an f1 f2 came in and taught us about 
how to read our pay slips and that's pretty much it yeah that, that's really interesting and that itself. definitely mirrored our experience which is exactly why you set up we set up medics money and it's interesting that they came to talk to you about income protection but didn't mention pay slips how to make those bma mdu fees 40 percent cheaper how to sort out your tax code when it goes wrong and that's what ed's going to tell us today so i thought it might be useful to kind of go back in time and tell you why we started medics money because it basically for all the reasons that you just outlined there because obviously ed is an accountant and tax advisor that's a unique skill set but 14 years ago i'm getting really old when i was in exactly your position now um waiting to find out if i'd passed the final assessment at med school i came from a working class background first doctor in my family and i graduated with eighty-five thousand pounds worth of debt and back then no one had that level of debt um now unfortunately uh, you've probably all got more than that but at a similar experience we had no education about finances at all and yet somebody came to med school to convince us all that we were going to die the next day despite being healthy young people when we absolutely and definitely needed income protection and life insurance right there but they didn't tell us anything useful about tax codes and things like that and so I've gone like a personal journey of trying to teach myself about this and went to every talk that I could. And eventually I got quite good at managing my money uh, out of necessity. And I started claiming back uh, the exam. So GP exam, I think, is over two grand now, isn't it? About, yeah. sorry, about 1600 yeah. and about 400 for the written exam, I think. Yeah, so all in two grand. And uh, I claimed a tax rebate on that, which Ed's about to tell you how to do, and made it up to 40% cheaper. And then everyone was like, right, you've got to show me how to do that. So I was helping like loads of friends and friends and friends of their friends because nobody was educating us on the basics that we need. And that was where I was doing an A&E locum and I bumped into Ed. And I think you'd had like a similar kind of experience, but from a more higher level because of your background. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of my background, I actually started off reading economics at university the first time around. Then I went to work in, in London for, uh, for PricewaterhouseCoopers in one of their, their tax departments. Uh, and when I was there, I got my chartered accountant qualification and my chartered tax advisor qualification and everything was good. Uh, and then in 2009, I had, had an accident which um, led to me reevaluating my, my career decisions. Uh, and I was in and out of various healthcare settings. And it wasn't a particularly serious accident, but when you're not a doctor, you don't know that. And I was in and out, as I say, various different places. Uh, and then it, during the financial crisis in sort of 2008, uh, well, the financial crisis was 2008, 2009, it was still ongoing. And by chance, I read an article in the Evening Standard on my way home from work um, on, my, on the Northern Line. And it talked about how workers in the city were um, being made redundant and being and retraining as things like plumbers or electricians. And it mentioned a graduate entry program um, to medical school and I thought, you know what, I'm going to gonna have a look at that. I'm going to look into this. Um, and I did all the things that you guys would recognize. I did my work shadowing. I went volunteering. I did the UK CAT. I went to night school um, for six hours a week uh, in Hammersmith to do a, a chemistry A-level. Um, and then May 2011, sort of the day before uh, Prince William got married, uh, I found out I got a place in, uh, in King's College London, which was, uh, yeah, I was actually really surprised about it. I didn't think they would, they would take me on, but... Uh, yeah, we got there, and then uh, I got posted to Guildford after, uh, I, you know, for my F1, and then to Chichester for my F2, and uh, I'm sure you guys have had this situation where you're in a little group, so I just joined as an F2, I was in my, with all the rest of the people in A&E, and they asked that question, you know, let's go around the room, introduce yourself, one interesting fact about yourself, uh, and I really couldn't think of anything to say, I really hate that sort of question, so I said, oh, I, I used to be an accountant, um, 
and a lot of people were quite surprised by that how an accountant suddenly became was, was there in A&E with them but it kind of filtered around the A&E department and by chance uh, one Dr Tommy Perkins was uh, was doing a locum shift there and, and heard all about my uh, my background uh, and that's when we got, kind of got talking yeah and then for all the reasons that you just outlined you know that we don't get taught any of this but it's essential we just thought you know somebody should do something to about this and then we kept saying that and saying that and then eventually we were like should we should we have a go so we we started three years ago we've now got our podcast about to have its 100th episode got our website and we've got loads of resources to help you help yourself um so i thought it would be good to go through a high level of some of those today but if this like blows your mind we've got our ebook which is sharing the title of this episode which is cunningly called what medical school didn't teach us about money and you can download that for free medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook awesome wow what a story I, I can't believe you only started three years ago because i can hear my um from what i can hear from other friends they've also heard about you already and we haven't been qualified yet yeah and and you know why because we're so grateful to our colleagues for finding it useful giving us feedback saying this is great this isn't so great uh, and, and telling their friends about it and that's how we've grown you know we're not some big organization with a massive marketing budget it's pretty much just me and ed and a few people that help us out so so grateful to our colleagues for spreading the word but also super grateful for the bmj for giving us this opportunity to help out your podcast listeners and save them some tax and other things no, definitely um, interested to get into that later. And Anisha, you've been working as an F1 for a, yeah, nearly a year now. Were there any like questions that you had about pay slips or pay or the, um, the examination costs that um, Tom and Ed mentioned earlier? Quite, quite a few, actually. Um, I actually went to King's as well. <laughs> um, and I actually had an incident quite early on of F1 where I noticed on my payslip, first of all, I was too scared to check my payslip pay for the first couple of months. And I think this says a lot about how we're not taught much about payslips during university, where I was just kind of, I could see, like, see it coming in and I'd see the money and I'd kind of just assume that everything was okay, just because I find the process quite daunting there's so many letters and numbers um and even though we did have that one lecture at the end of final year that's not enough for me to process everything and understand my payslip immediately um and then I think two or three two three or four months down into F1 so around the end of my first rotation I my I was talking to a couple of other F1s and we were both talking about our weekend pay because we were all confused about our payslips in general. And I think we'd noticed that we were all getting two pounds for our weekend shifts, which doesn't make any sense. Um, so, and I hate weekend shifts. Weekend on calls, I want to cry at the end of everyone. Um, so I talked about it with some other people and I just kind of, I think maybe being an F1, you just kind of assume that you're probably wrong or, you know, you don't know enough um etc etc and I'd kind of moved that thinking on to my payslip as well but oh you know I'm sure you know they've been doing payslips since before I was born I'm sure I'm just wrong and then I thought about it and I just realized that two pound for a weekend shift doesn't make any sense um so I plucked up the courage to email the payroll department and cc'd in some of the other f1s and um yeah it turns out they were definitely incorrect and I should not have been paid two pounds for my weekend shifts for four months. Um, 
and they kindly kind of corrected everything, sent a new payslip, um, and it was all sorted. But after that experience, I was, I was extremely, I was just really angry that someone had just paid me two pounds for all my weekend shifts for four months. Um, yeah, I was really outraged actually, and then I was annoyed because if I just checked it earlier, I would have noticed probably in the first month that it was, you know, completely wrong. Um, and I kind of, I think since then I just have, um, I just like to check everything now, but I find it annoying because I just wish that it would just be right all the time. I just find it frustrating that I had to check that I was being paid two pound. Um, but again, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Um, but again, I think because I've had that experience, I now double check everything, but obviously not everyone will have had an error as big as that. So I do think there are probably a lot of F1s or doctors in general who maybe don't check every single detail of their payslip. Um, and I think it's something we should do because I think a lot of people will just do what I do and kind of ignore it or just assume that everything's okay because uh, I probably don't know enough about it and I'm probably just wrong. Um, yeah, that's been an early experience of mine with payslips. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an invaluable <laughs> lesson um, that never trust uh the paperwork really and one of ed's top tips is to keep the paperwork and and like well done for checking it and standing up for yourself and you shouldn't have needed to do it but payslip was one thing that you wanted to talk about i think mate because it's a common 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 issue would it be useful to talk about that now yeah definitely you? absolutely and um you know i think a lot of people would, would would share your 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 story a lot of people are quite nervous or quite scared about their their payslip because it is quite there's a lot, a lot of detail on there, especially nowadays with the, the new junior contract. Um, there's a lot of breakdown, a lot of detail, a lot of figures, hard to understand. Um, and a lot of people only really kind of realize there's something wrong when it's really drastically wrong. So, um, I mean, I had a friend who did a, a locum shift and it was one of the, you know, well known to be one of the worst locum shifts, shifts in our area. So, uh, ward cover, SHO for the, on a weekend. Brutal. And, uh, yeah, hideous. Uh, I, like you, I also used to cry after night shifts and, uh, weekends. And, uh, I think he, his, when his, when his, um, pay slip came through, he was paid <laughs> in, in total, his net pay was 93 pence, I think it was. And that, that's when you start to realize after, yeah, when you, you've had a weekend, you're like, I'm pretty sure I should be what? paid more than 93 <laughs> pence for that hideous weekend. So, you know, but he'd never really kind of looked at his pay slip before. And then he was like, Ed, what's this? <laughs> what's going on? And it's like, oh, they've done this wrong, completely wrong. So, you know, a lot mm. of us only really kind of think about it <laughs> when things are clearly obviously, obviously wrong. And, uh, and it doesn't help, as you say, that the pay slip is so complicated uh, and, and not easy to understand. And um, I mean, I would be, I'll give you some tips. I'll tell you about, about what the payslip shows. Um, but I'd be a liar if I said I always perfectly understood my payslip when I was in working for the hospital. It's a bit easier now as a salary GP because I'm employed by my practice. Um, but uh, as a, a junior doctor, um, it was it was hideous. And I'm, I was pretty sure they used a, a random number generator each month to pay me. I had no idea what was going on half the time. And that's from a chartered accountant. So if you're worried about it, you're not, you know, you're not alone. Okay. <laughs> um, one other thing on the pole pace of things, yeah. and this um, may sound trivial or patronizing, and I don't mean it to be, but whatever you do, try and keep all the pay slips that you receive. Okay, so um, when I was uh, working in the hospitals in the mess, there'd be a massive pile of uh, paper pay slips that yeah. nobody ever bothered to collect. Um, and I, I don't, I can understand that, but most nowadays, most doctors get their pay slips uh, electronically via the ESR system. I don't know if that's the case for you guys, um, but you know, it makes it life so much easier. Just down, download each pay slip yeah. each month, yeah. keep it somewhere safe. Okay. Um, at the end of the tax year, which in the UK, very strangely, runs to the uh, the 5th of April, um, 
on the date that you are an employee, you should receive a P60 from that employer. Okay, so a P60, um, you normally get that in May. It summarizes your income, uh, your gross income, your tax payments for the year and other things. So it's a really important document to keep, okay, especially down the line if you want to get a mortgage. Um, you know, mortgage companies don't understand that as doctors, our pay fluctuates every four months. Um, but if you can show a P60, which you should get from your employer, um, you know, they will understand how much income you actually received over the year and take that into account. So, um, you know, anytime you see any any document on that ESR, just download it, keep it somewhere safe. OK, they're all really important. You'll also find on there um, another mysterious document called the TRS or Total Reward Statement. Uh, and that's to do with your pension. So super important, those, yeah. really important. Just keep that. Okay. So just, just download all this stuff. Uh, you, you'll really um, regret it if you don't. And thank yourself if you do. And um, that's yeah, amazing advice. <laughs> we'll talk more about financial literacy for newly qualified doctors, but that'll be right after this message from our sponsor. Indemnity. You've probably not given it much thought, but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real. Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with Medical Protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, There are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week, one lucky new joiner wins £200. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free and you're automatically entered into the draw. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. If you could summarise just like that like kind of three top tips that people should look out for for their pay slip, um, what would that be? Yeah, so so the first thing for the pay slip is um, from a you know a personal point of view is just keep an eye on that tax code. Okay, so that's really important, especially if you're changing uh, employer, changing trust. Okay, watch out for that. If you see a D zero or a zero T, um, likely something's gone wrong. Um, and on your main pay slip, that is, you may locum and see those tax codes. That's fine, but main pay slip check your tax code okay secondly keep every payslip every p60 and every p45 a p45 is a document you get when you leave an employer okay so if you're an fi1 for a trust and you leave to become an f2 elsewhere you should get a p45 again make sure you keep that uh, and, and the third tip is, is just like we've been saying you know keep an eye on the the different components of your payslip because if you find you're getting paid two pounds for a weekend uh, or your um you know, your, your actual pay is 93 pence, then, you know, something's gone wrong. Uh, have a look into it and, and try and get it corrected. Yeah, I've made, I've made so many notes. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have a look at the uh, the ebook. Yeah, yeah. And you can just work for it slowly as you need to go, you know, take your time because we're delivering a tremendous amount of information here so mm-hmm. we can help you out as much as possible. But ebook is the way forward. And we also have a podcast, which was 10 financial tips for junior doctors. Uh, they might have to mm-hmm. scroll back a bit for that one, but we're making another one soon as well. So cool. Nice. Yeah, we can put the link in the description as well. Yeah. And so like in addition to pay slips, um, I think a lot of junior doctors may encounter costs that they have to pay after medical school. So as um, Lily has mentioned, um, like kind of indemnity costs kind of thing and also examinations that 
junior doctors most have to take um, to progress further in their career. And you mentioned tax rebate earlier. What's that tax rebate? Um, yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of a lot of financial issues that the junior doctors are facing. A lot of costs um, that um, that you have to incur as a junior doctor. Um, and one of those one of those costs that you've got to incur is um, various professional subscription fees. So, for example, you become a, a doctor, you qualify, you've got to pay your, your GMC fee uh, as, a, as a minimum. Um, you may pay uh, for the BMA. Um, you're very likely going to be paying you know, Medical Protection Society uh, or, of course, the Medical Defence Union, th- their fees as well. And then later on down the line, you know, when you... Um, when you need to, you have to pay your Royal College fees as well. So for my, in, for my um, case, uh, for the Royal College of GPs, um, there are also a number of expensive exams. No matter what specialty you do, you've got to do exams and annoyingly you've got to pay for them yourself, okay? But the good news is you should be able to claim a tax deduction for these subscriptions and also for the exams, which can give you a tax rebate of up to 45% of the cost back from HMRC. Okay, depending on the tax rate that you're paying in that in that year. Okay, so for most doctors, um, by the time they're paying for these expensive exams, for example, they should be able to claim forty percent of the cost back, as they're likely to be higher rate taxpayers. So, for example, imagine I paid a um, uh, hundred pounds um, for a GMC fee, which obviously sadly is a bit a bit low, but a hundred pounds for a GMC fee, and I make a claim um, for a tax rebate um, because that's an allowable cost against my income. HMRC should refund me um, £40 or 40% of that, okay? And if you think about it, in a tax year, you're going to be racking up quite a lot. So if you take my, let's okay, let's take my final year as a junior doctor, SD3, I paid um, a GMC fee. I was a member of the BMA. Um, I had to pay my Royal College of GPs fee, which is, I don't know, £500, whatever it was. I had to pay £1,600 for an exam, which luckily I passed. But if you imagine I had failed it and had to resit it that would be another 1600 pounds on top of that so you know it soon quickly adds up and that's just in one tax year um but it, by making a claim um i was writing to hmrc or not writing but we'll, show, we'll explain to you in a minute how you make the claim but by telling hmrc that you've incurred all these costs out of your own pocket and they all relate to your employment um hmrc will say okay they all qualify have some money back and that's obviously you know going to take a a £100 cost and make it into a, a £60 cost, which is a lot more bearable because you're going to get £40 back from HMRC for every £100 you spend. Um, if you want, you know, what we'd recommend is every time you make a payment, uh, and in particular every time you get a receipt from one of these bodies, um, keep a record of the payments or keep a record of the receipts or both. Uh, I like to keep it all on the spreadsheet, but that's the accounting in me coming out. Um so for every tax year from the 6th of April to the 5th of April, every time you make a payment, put it on a spreadsheet, save any receipts you get, okay? And when you're ready to make a claim, okay, guys, you can find a free step-by-step guide on how to do this, on how to make that claim to get that money back from HMRC. You can find that on our, our Medics Money website. And that is completely free, step-by-step. It holds your hand, okay? And you can uh, make a claim to HMRC to get that, some of that money back. And yeah. it's really, really worth doing. Definitely. I mean, you're just racking up all these bills and you can reduce the cost significantly. And the guide is just step by step. It just takes you through how to do it all. Uh, And you just do it online. You do not need an accountant uh, to do this. You can do it yourself with the help of our article. I think we had over 30,000 downloads of that guide now. And um, we kind of collect data on 
how much people save. So I think the average is around £1,245, but we've had someone who had a six grand rebate because, uh, yeah, that's not guaranteed, by the way. Uh, you may, your, your results may, may vary, but it's just so worth doing every year. And, and, you know, we just not told this at medical school. You know, you had your financial education session at medical school and they told you about income protection and life insurance. They didn't tell you that you can save thousands of pounds on these super important exams. And that is why we started Medics Money, because, yes, income protection insurance may be important, but... This is a way to reduce the cost of training dramatically. And there's a lot of talk at the moment about the cost of training and junior doctors' wages because you've had an absolutely savage pay cut in real terms over the last 10 years. And the BMA and uh, are launching a campaign about that at the moment, uh, which we all, of course, we support. But let's talk about reducing those costs of the exams as well by just claiming a tax rebate. Use the guide, do it online, super simple. We've even made a podcast about it as well. So definitely check the guide out. I think that's a top tip. Amazing. I can't, I can't believe no one's ever talking about this. This is the first time I've, I'm hearing about a tax rebate because yeah. I'm, um, I am planning to set the MRCP later this year. So I definitely yep. will claim that 40% yep. tax back from the, from the HMRC. All and it would, just, so would this would this count for you mentioned GMC registration as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you pay if you pay the GMC money, you can get um, a tax deduction for that, absolutely. And likewise, the BMA, your protection insurance, um, you know, the various different um, bodies that you can um, pay that you can get a tax deduction for. Uh, you can find a list of them actually. It's a, a public record. The HMRC have got a list of any everyone you can pay um, who they'll give you a tax deduction for. Um, it's called list list free. And you can just Google it. So list three. Um, it's not very intuitive just because um, they do it in a bit of a weird alphabetical order. So um, if you're looking for the GMC, don't look for general medical council like you might expect. You've got to look for medical council general, which is quite weird. I don't quite know why they do that. Almost but, like they're trying to make it yeah. hard for us I to get thousands of pounds yeah, back off them. That's it. I think everyone's just, everyone just tries. You know, HMIC obviously don't <laughs> broadcast this and then they make it really hard to, to claim. So. Uh, yeah, so you can find out on that, that list, um, public knowledge. And uh, yeah, anytime you make a payment to any of those bodies, you can claim a, a tax deduction for it. And again, our guide goes through all of the specifics like you just mentioned, like uh, the Royal College of GPs, I think, is under College of Royal. I, I think that's, that's General Practitioners Royal College of. Obviously. So that's slightly better. I think BMA's Medical oh Association gosh. British. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the guide, just follow the guide as say thousands of doctors have used it. But yeah, we need all doctors to know about this. And that's why things like this are invaluable. Like, but why, why, you know, if you're the Royal College, why not think about putting a link to the Medics Money Resource? It's totally free. And then all yeah. of your trainees yeah. can find out about it. Mm. But um, if you're from a Royal College, let us know. We're happy to give you everything we have for free. But uh, so we've, we tried so hard at the start of Medics Money <laughs> to work with them and it just went nowhere. And then we were like, let's just see if we can do it ourselves. Mm. And thanks to support from our colleagues, um, we're, we're doing all right. But still, people haven't found out about it. So just tell everyone about it. Definitely. I'm de- I'll definitely have a look at the list of um, yeah, organisations as well. The yeah, there's always a few surprising ones on there. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just have a look at our guide. Again, I think it's um, medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash free guide. But again, if you just download the ebook, it's all in there. So it's all good. Yeah, because Lily, did you say that you also received your letter from the GMC saying that you have to pay the, the registration fee kind of now? Um, I got I got that letter. I got like a provisional yeah, registration thing yeah. and they were like, I had to pay £50 just to provisionally register um which i does that count as 
tax rebateable? I haven't got an income. Yeah, it would be because, oh, okay. um, you know, it's, you'll, you'll be starting in, in August, I presume. You've got your first pay slip. Oh, but it could have been, oh, it could have been before April, you know. Uh, you should be able to, that should be fine, okay, because it's a pre-employment expense and it is to do with your job. So uh, personally, I would, um, when I make my first ever claim, so you'd probably, you know, wait until the 6th of April, or 5th of April, sorry next year and then think about claiming for all your fees i would probably lump that in to be honest because you're only paying it because of your job and uh yeah i would give okay. that a go. i'm pretty sure i did Great. My, my claim i will do that well what annoys me is that i could have done that this april right and i no one told me that i could do that even 50 pounds even to get whatever however yeah, much I mean, that, that is you'll, you'll, you'll probably get percentage you'll probably be 20 percent taxpayer at that point so you'll probably get 10 pounds back but they're still Ten quid. That's two points. Yeah, that's how I think of things. So yeah, definitely worth to get in. And that, and then you. And, yeah. yeah, I think that's frustrating. That's it. You love other fees as well. Well, to be fair to my to be fair to my university, so I'm at Barts in East London, and we do in dribs and drabs. I have heard most of this stuff, so I do. I'm aware of the tax rebate stuff. I'm aware of other things that I can't name, um, but. The, to have a central resource, I think, is slightly groundbreaking. I don't n- quite understand why universities don't have slightly more structure and guidance on this stuff rather than various organisations giving you bits of information. I think that's a bit... I feel a bit like I've been conned. <laughs> no comment. Uh, I think, no, I think, you know, like I said, income protection insurance, etc., may be important. And it's interesting that you had an hour long lecture on that. Uh, in- I've had, I've yeah, had yeah. multiple. This yeah. is the second one. But they I've didn't had. tell you that you could save thousands on your exams, how to sort your tax code out, etc. So I think we need to think about that and why that is. And uh, I say like to Bart's, if you've had that like information, fair play. I think you're in a minority there. So well done to Bart's. But if you're from another medical school and you want to use all our resources, um, that is fine. Just let us know because we all need to work together to solve the problems Definitely. that the profession has at the moment yeah. around pay, working conditions, etc. And, and what we're doing is one small part of that. But let's all work together. I think the solution to the problems yeah. lie within the profession. Um, it's so, so empowering. let's work together. I was going to say the the income protection guy that I had the lecture with, he said that you don't pay income tax until like October or something, something like that in your first year of working. Is that a thing? Uh, no, not oh. really at all. And um, what will happen is you, um, because you're a, an employee, what will happen is every month they'll deduct your income tax from your salary. So, you know, you'll get your first pay slip, let's say in August. Um, so our payday was always 24th of each month. So, Let's say 24th of August, you get your, your pay. Your income tax will be, come straight off that and get sent straight to HMRC. So you'll be paying tax from the, the first pay slip you get. Oh, he definitely said something. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what that would be because um, if he's saying that, he's, he's utterly wrong. Yeah, um, I can't that, confirm. There's no, there's, no, there's no deadline for an October tax payment. Yeah, well, it sounded yeah. weird, but then, hmm, Okay. I guess that brings us around to another point because a large part of what we do at Medics Money is educating, helping people to help themselves. But when you get further on in your career, and indeed now, you know it's highly likely that you'll need maybe an accountant, maybe a financial advisor. And advising doctors is a highly specialist area of accountancy and financial advice because there's just so many complex quirks so ed mentioned mortgage advisors Mm -hmm. don't understand our pay slips but the pension and everything else is so complex and that's the second thing that medics money does is that we have a list of 
expert advisors that we've verified, been through our interview process, which is pretty tough considering me and Ed do it. Um, and we've matched over 6,000 doctors now to an advisor who actually understands doctors and isn't mm. there trying to sell you something, actually wants to help you uh, make better financial decisions. So that's another thing that we do. But being bl- brutally honest about it, I think if you're an F1 or F2, you may, you may want to consider income protection. And if you do, Medics Money will connect you with an independent financial advisor. And that's really important. Again, something we don't get taught is there's two types of financial advisors. There's restricted, who can sell you a restricted range of products. So if their company offers a product that matches your requirements, good. But if it doesn't, not so good. But they can't go Uh, to to, to the whole market whereas an independent financial advisor searches the whole market for the best product for you so just bear that in mind and have a look at why we built medics money because we were so frustrated with our colleagues getting inaccurate Mm -hmm. advice from what are really you know not expert advisors so but honestly i think yeah you could consider income protection for sure but the rest just use the medics money website listen to our podcast and even if you do have an accountant, which would be unusual at F1, F2, it's still great to understand all of this because accountants are great. I'm sitting next to one, so I have to be careful what I say. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, if you understand this yourself, no one is going to manage your money better than you day to day. You know, your accountant's not there when you buy something and think, oh, I'm going to take a photo of that receipt because I know that it's claimable. Uh, accountant's not going to like keep nagging you about that to every day. So just get, get an education about it. Um, but, yeah. I don't know what you guys think about that. Well, can I just ask briefly about just briefly on the income protection thing? You said you should consider it. Who should consider it? As in, I want someone who's, you have no stake in this. Great question. So first of all, you need to understand a few things. First of all, what sick pay do you get? Because, well, let's roll back one step. Income protection is one of a suite of uh, products and I'm not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice but income protection basically is designed to replace your income as the name suggests so if you get sick and can't work um, then that's what income protection is designed for there's something else that you may have just to confirm sick meaning kind of a long-term sickness or kind of over 20 days of sickness yeah that's a great question I was going to come on to that but I'll, I'll go on to it now because basically Income protection for doctors needs to tie in or with your um, with your sick pay. Okay, so probably no one's told you what sick pay you get as a doctor, but I'm going to tell you now. Uh, so let's just assume you need to check your own contract, but let's assume you're on a standard contract, etc. During the first year of your service as a doctor, you get one month's full pay and two months half pay. After that, nothing. Uh, second year of service two months full pay and two months half pay and so on until after completing five years of service you get six months full pay six months half pay okay so let's say you're an f1 and you off for a calendar month okay that means you will get full pay at the end of that you get half pay for two more months after that you get nothing and so that's where income protection can be really really useful like essential because if you can't afford to pay your bills without your income, then you need to consider income protection insurance. There's also something called critical illness, which pays out if you get, as the name would suggest, a critical illness. And then there's life insurance, which is essentially de- designed to cover premature death. So you need to sit down with an independent financial advisor like those on Medics Money who understand doctors, who understands your contract, who understands your sick pay, and just talk to them about it and see what they recommend for you. So 
it's a personal decision. I mean, I couldn't afford my bills uh, without uh, income protection uh, insurance. So I have it. Uh, same for Ed. I know he has it. Uh, if, if I die, uh, I've got a young family, uh, a good size mortgage and lots of outgoing. So I have life insurance as well. So that's a choice, an informed choice that I've made by educating myself, but also speaking to an independent advisor that knows about mm-hmm. it. So I can't answer your question because I'm not you, but that's how I like to think about it is if I get sick, can I pay my bills without my income? No. How much sick pay do I get? Okay. And then it's like a risk reward mm-hmm. benefit, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I think income protection is insurance. It, it is important. Um, but it's just interesting that they spent an hour telling you that you pay no tax until October and income protection insurance is really useful. And they skipped over tax codes, um, how to understand your payslip, uh, getting a tax rebate, all the paperwork that you need to get. So yeah, yeah. That's what we try to do on Medic's Money. But yeah. hopefully that's helpful. Does that answer your no, question? No, no, that is helpful. I um, I will get an independent financial advisor meeting set up. I think he's going to say probably no. I don't really have any huge responsibilities. Oh, we'll see. We'll see, you know. Yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe I'm actually really yeah. secretly wealthy. <laughs> Well, the thing is, you never. The thing is, the problem is, you never know what's around the corner. That's the thing, and actually doing it now while you're mm. while you're healthy, yeah. etc. Um, yeah. It wouldn't be too expensive. I mean, my, I ended up. Uh, I have to be honest. I put my head in the sand a little bit and just didn't really think about it. Um, you know, that's coming from an accountant. I, I was stupid basically, and I didn't think about it until I was an ST three, by which point I was like my forties. So you know, although I'm. I think I'm healthy anyway, as long as I know. Um, you look you know, healthy, mate. Yeah, <laughs> that's not my professional opinion. <laughs> the amount of coffee I've been drinking, um, but the um, you know the, my 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 the amount I pay is, is much higher because I'm much older you know, than than I would be when I was an F1, especially if I'd been F1 for the normal route. Um, but that's the issue. Yeah. You just, just don't know what's around the corner. So you know, I don't. You know, hopefully you'd find a provider that's not going to be too, you know, too expensive. Um, but you know check them out ask some questions I'm really uh, glad we've say. spoken about this I, I haven't thought about income protection or kind of insurance I mean I'm, I'm young I'm 24 now but I'm turning 25 next month and I have been thinking about life philosophically in general so yeah definitely anything could happen around the corner so it's, I, I'm definitely going to start thinking about it did you say that you yeah. had a list of independent financial advisors or you could match so match us up with someone was that correct yeah so how the medics money website works is we got all this free information help you do what you can do yourself but if you need an advisor you hit the find a financial advisor tab and then you tell us about yourself and what you need and then our algorithm which has matched over six thousand doctors now matches you to uh the right advisor for your circumstances and then you take it from there so everybody's financial situation is basically totally unique to them and so it's so important to realize that and take advice and you know i might when i was so <laughs> echoing ed's uh, mistake um when i was younger i felt invincible like i really did uh, i just had my 40th birthday and i, I went on a bike ride yesterday my back is killing me <laughs> so i'm getting old but when you're young you feel invincible <laughs> you've <laughs> You do feel invincible. And also, just being honest, I was so in debt. You know, I was 85 grand down, working class background. I had no bailouts. My debt repayments were crushing me. Then someone was like, get income protection. I was like, no, I'm just going to keep hustling, paying down my debt. And that was a massive mistake, you know. Uh, And of course, so now I've got income protection. I've got life insurance. And I know right now, if I die... Uh, my family are going to be well protected. So it's just individual to your circumstances. But it's like 
when we consent our patients for procedure, we tell them the risks and the benefits. And then, you know, that's part of the consent process. We want to make getting financial advice like that as well. Yeah. So understand why an independent financial advisor, um, you know, is, is better than a restricted advisor. Understand what you're getting into income protection and, and you know a bit about it. So just make it like the consent process. And we need more transparency in the in- industry. And that's why on Medics Money, you see if you search for an advisor, they've got reviews from doctors. And the biggest problem with online reviews is fake reviews. But all the reviews on Medics Money are verified by GMC number. So no GMC number. You can't leave a review. And so I just think we need more transparency in them. And also on Medics Money, some of the advisors display a guide price. You know, until we did Medics Money, I'd never seen a guide price. The pricing was kind of mysterious. And and some things are hard to price or impossible. But yeah, we need more transparency. We need doctors to understand more about the financial advice industry because a good financial advisor or accountant can really help you. uh, And a bad one is, is really bad. So, yeah. Definitely. Well, I think what you've done is honestly amazing. Really great resources, really empowering coming from two doctors yeah, as well. I agree with that as well. Yeah. Yeah, because one thought I had was that, because um, so same with you, I also um, is racking up like a huge student debt because I'm also a graduate medical student. And yeah, I, and I guess like paying extra to get a financial advice has never crossed my mind because um, as you said, I'm just trying to pay off that debt instead of having extra... Um, cost to things um yeah so um so you you would say that um that should be something that is worth investing in um i'm saying i'm saying that there's so much you can do yourself and like i said earlier if you're an f1 or f2 you don't need an accountant to sort your tax code out you use ed's guide you don't need an accountant to get your uh, thousands of pounds tax rebate you use ed's guide if i was a junior doctor I would consider having a consultation about income protection insurance. But do you need full-blown financial advice at that stage? Probably not. I mean, it's your call. But I think it's the sort of same kind of principle that we use in our day jobs is that as a GP, if a patient can help themselves and I can educate them in how to do that, long term, that's going to be an amazing payoff. And of course, there's some things that patients need a doctor for. And so let's do that in the financial advice. So if you're an F1 and you have a normal kind of setup, I can't really think, you know, you haven't got thousands of pounds to invest or anything like that. And you're just looking to pay down your medical debts and, and that. You think about using advisor for income protection. And also, uh, yeah, we, me and Ed are both graduate medical students, as you may. Have, so mm. we understand that debt pain. Yeah, it's it's a bit daunting. Um, yeah, I can't wait to graduate in a few years. Um, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're just kind of rounding off the episode. Um, are there any? Yeah, um Anisha and Lily, have you got any other questions about money that medical students or junior doctors may have? Um, I have too many questions for the remit of the podcast, so I think I'll refer to Ed's guide on medicmoney.com. Yeah, let's just do another one. Like We do Q&A episodes on our podcast all the time, and they're really popular, so get some questions down and like let's do them or if your audience want to send in some questions like let's do a Q&A episode because we do that on our pod and they're always really popular can I just say one one other thing guys that might might help you all um oh, yeah. just relating to um to relocation uh, cost oh I heard about this yeah and just say so, yeah to say that you know another thing that really might help with um with, with money etc is that you, you should be able to claim uh, reimbursement for costs incurred in moving from one area to another because of your job um 
and when you get reimbursed that money it's, it's tax-free there's no national insurance on it no student loans on it or anything like that so um certainly in england you can claim up to ten thousand pounds over your postgraduate training scheme um and that's exactly the same with your full-time or less than full-time um and that can that can help in terms of cost of moving so you know if you're having to um you know pay for someone to move your stuff you should be able to claim oh. a reverse reimbursement for that um you could even i mean i think in some cases you can um if you have to go to another area and buy a house you could even use the um the money to pay for some of the associated costs like the legal fees or the stamp duty and that sort of stuff so just have a look at it there's um you know we've got a link it's in our guide as well but uh certainly in england health education england have um have a really good guide um on on, on what how you qualify how you make a claim what you can claim for um so it's all not ebook so if you just just get the ebook chapter two uh, on the ebook yeah Yeah. so this point that i remind ed that i paid my stamp duty uh using the relocation expense and he cried because (laughs) you didn't qualify for something well it's more that it's more that i just i just i don't really have many costs to actually get money back for so i didn't buy a house till later when i actually uh was already in the area so if you're moving say to to bristol or wherever you're going to move to just um yeah have a look at that document have a look at our ebook uh, and see if you can get some money back to pay for some of those costs. I'm definitely going to have a look at everything you've just said. Just to confirm, so would that be if you're moving, but you were moving and you're definitely buying a house, or would that be if you're moving? No, no. So you know, if you if you're you know, imagine you were you were moving from I don't know London to Bristol, and you and you pay um, you had to pay some money to to uh, an estate agent to you know to so you know, the fees for actually getting the property you had to um pay a removal van man to come and take the stuff over you know you should be able to claim for those wow. those costs so you don't have to be buying a house you know it's just about you know if you're relocating um there'll be costs that you incur because you're relocating because of your job uh, and you should be able to get a, a reimbursement for some of those costs okay. Yeah, moving costs. Because we're doctors and we pay for our own parking, pay for our own training, you know, get two, paid 2p for a long night shift. When we get a benefit like this that any other normal employer would provide, like when Ed was at PwC and he, if he had to move, he would get this. We're shocked that we get it, <laughs> which kind of says the state of terms and conditions <laughs> in the NHS. But that's a, yeah. that's a podcast for another day. But yeah, definitely yeah. check it out because it's £10,000. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of money. And this is just to reimburse you for costs that you're going to incur. So yeah, check yeah, it out. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Brighton for F2 from London. Ooh. So definitely, um, I'm definitely going to read that chapter because the costs are building up. So... <laughs> Yeah, but Brighton's a beautiful place, but yeah, I'm a bit excited. costly some, sometimes. So, uh, yeah, that's it. But it's a lovely, lovely place. Just, just down the road from us, really. Yeah, yeah, just down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely we'll be checking my payslip for the for the tax code when I move as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. August time, check that, check yeah. that, um, that payslip. Yeah, amazing advice. And I've worked in Brighton Hospital and it's is awesome. It's awesome, Brighton. So you'll have a great time there for sure. Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you so much for the information about payslips, um, tax codes, um, tax rebates and yeah we'll link all the information you refer to in the description box and yeah and just to borrow the disclaimer from your podcast as well this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not represent any form of financial legal or accounting advice and tax allowance and rates are subject to change um, and i'll definitely credit you in the podcast as well thanks for joining us for this episode that's all we have time for today if you like our show, I'd love it if you could support us by leaving a review on wherever you get your podcast or share with the people you know. Tell your friends about it. That really helps people to find the show. 
please keep in touch. I love hearing your thoughts on the show, especially trends you find interesting in medicine or at med school right now. You can find us on social media. We are BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you would like to hear other episodes, please subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts, and in two weeks' time, you'll be notified of our next episode. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Bye! Bye! Bye, Bye guys. Thanks for having us.